All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today on Vanity Health. Today, we have Leah Ramsey, who completed her Bachelor's of Science studying kinesiology with a certificate in health and fitness and a co-op designation at Simon Fraser University. Uh, she's currently in the Doctor of Chiropractic program and completing a Master's of Science in sports medicine at the University of Western States. Welcome to the show, Leah. Thank you so much for coming here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, for our audience's knowledge, Leah and I go back to 2015 on SFU's Kinesiology Games team, which she founded the year prior, and is honestly a major reason why this podcast actually exists today. Um, and you know how we've been able to network with many of the initial guests so far. Um, so overall, thank you for that. Um, that was actually quite, this has been like an unexpected outcome of just a, a team that wanted to go, you know, represent us at, at, uh, at the Kin Games. Um, but, you know, just to kick things off, how has the transition to online classes been since COVID started? Uh, actually, it wasn't as difficult as you might think. Um, UWS, where I currently study, was set up pretty well for online learning. Okay. We've had a couple of hybrid courses that already were done online with about one hour a week of in-person lecture. And all of our lectures are currently or have been in the past recorded. So they have audio and uh, screen recording videos that have been done in the past. And that was something that they've always done since I started the program. So didn't feel like a big adjustment as far as having to get used to that because it's something that I'd done before. And most of the professors were already used to using some of the technology. Having Zoom classes was definitely interesting especially yeah. in your own home or for me I was actually at my in-laws place okay. in the basement so that was probably the biggest adjustment was just the environment and not physically going to class right. because I am that person that needs to go to class in order to stay on top of things yeah. but the school itself was set up pretty well and once I got a schedule and stuck to it I found it wasn't too bad in fact I found I had more time right. for other things like exercise yeah. and That's that kind of thing so you know, when you think of like chiropractic college or chiropractic school in a program, you think there's a lot of, you know, hands on components to it. And I know that, you know, placements are part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so how's the program mitigated, you know, like labs or hands on components? That was tough. Yeah. So I'm in my last quarter before we actually enter the clinic. Okay. So this was a big quarter for us and not ideal to be online and not having your hands on practice and being with professors. If you did have someone to practice with, you had right. no one to give you feedback. So they did their best. They recorded themselves doing the various adjustments, and we did a lot of orthopedic testing courses this term. So there was a lot of watching videos of professors performing them and either practicing just with an invisible human. Right. Um, we do a lot of adjustment impulse drills, they call them, where you just warm up your arms and your hands. We do that on pillows, so that was something that was a slightly easy transition for me other than to find something that resembled the pillows that we used at school. So it was just a lot of watching videos. I didn't really have anyone from the program that I could practice on. And to be honest, by the end of the day, I was too tired to really do much. So that was probably the hardest part is we lost three months worth of hands-on physical right. practice. But the school seems to be prepared to get us back up to speed when we go back. That's great. Okay, so let's take a step, a step back a bit. Um, when did you know that you wanted to become a chiropractor? I don't have a moment that I remember. Okay. There was a moment where I knew physio school probably was not going to happen. 
right. because my grades weren't good enough coming out of undergrad. Okay. And while traveling abroad seemed really nice, going to Europe or Australia to study physiotherapy, I had a very serious boyfriend. In fact, actually, we were engaged by that time. Yeah. And the thought of having to ask him to pick up his life and move with me away from his friends and his family right. was hard and it was looking like a lot of money and yeah. I didn't at that point I basically just didn't know if I wanted to be a physio that bad hmm. but I was working at a physiotherapy clinic who also had chiropractic and massage and so I had spent a little bit of time with the chiropractor he wanted to get me into treatment with him so I went through a full assessment with him and that was really my first experience with a chiropractor ever right and it was very similar to physiotherapy. He did a physical exam just like any physiotherapist would, and it, he had a lot of knowledge. And that was what got me thinking about chiropractic. And my experience working with Kintech, footwear and orthotics, I had a huge network of chiropractors, medical doctors, physiotherapists that I could speak to. So I decided to use it. I shadowed a couple of chiropractors that were around my area and saw that they also did exactly what I wanted to do, just from a slightly different approach, really. So right. I reached out to some friends who'd already gone on to chiropractic school, asked them about their schools. I had a friend that went to UWS, asked her about it, and she had nothing but great things to say. And so I, from there, just did a lot more personal research at that point and that's great. kind of fell in love with the idea of it. Yeah, I think that's just a really good example of you kind of knew where your values and passions were like you knew you wanted mm -hmm. to go somewhat into this field um and you know you know while physio you know may have not been a viable route at the time you found a way to you still retain those values and those passions both mm -hmm. on you know your professional side and your personal side and you found an answer so i think that's just an, a great story um and a great inspiration for a lot of students who who are probably going to be in the same position because yeah. not everyone <clears throat> will get into physiotherapy school, which we, we've had a lot of people, you know, say, you know, as a kin, what do you do? You just go on to physio. Yeah. And that was me. That was graduate <laughs> right. high school, do kinesiology, go to physio. Right. And probably in about my second or third year, didn't have good enough grades and started to get a little bit worried. So yeah. it was interesting. My fiance at the beginning of this pandemic actually had asked me, Knowing what I know now, and if physio would have been an option, would I have still chosen chiropractic? Right. And I actually think I would now, knowing where I am and That's knowing great. the education that I've received, I don't think I would change my mind. That's fantastic. So, yeah. you know, as you said, you were doing your research on, you know, what school do I want to go to? So how did you select UWS? Um, so my friend Shertina had a lot to do with it. She's Dr. Kwan now, She's practicing in Burnaby and Coquitlam. Um, she had a couple of classes with me at SFU and went on to the chiropractic program. She graduated the quarter that I started. So we crossed paths for a couple of weeks, it seems. And I chatted with her and again, just reached out to other chiropractors around this area and just talked to them about their schools and their experience and what they thought. And everyone had great things to say about UWS and the master's program that they offer was another thing that really, really caught my eye. Right. So I definitely liked the idea of being able to do a dual doctorate and master's yeah. and just kind of expand onto my kinesiology degree and right. use the master's of science in sports medicine to keep harnessing the focus on 
kind of catering maybe a practice to athletes in the future. That's so interesting because you you go into a doctor of chiropractic program and you're not just thinking about that program. You're like, oh, a master in a master's program. <laughs> maybe might I'm as, crazy. Might as well do it. That's uh, interesting. <laughs> Very interesting mindset. I'll I'll get back to that in a second. Um, but and and this is just for me, I guess. Um, are are there many chiropractic colleges in Canada that you can go to? There's two. Okay. There's one in Toronto, CMCC, so the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College. That's right. the big one that everyone knows about. Yeah. And I had considered that one, and actually, just between the cost of living in the U.S. and the cost of traveling back to Vancouver, it worked out to be about the same. But I liked the idea of living in Portland better than the idea of living in Toronto. Yeah, I still get to stay on the West Coast-ish. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And then um, there's a university in Quebec. I think it's called the University of... Quebec, and it is a French chiropractic college, so gotcha. I don't speak French, so that was never an option, but it's nice to know that it's there. Interesting. So overall, from your time at SFU, what experiences do you think help you get into UWS? So like clubs, volunteering work, mentors? I think Kin Games was a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, once I got through to the interview process, all they cared about was my ability to time manage. <laughs> that was the main question is, can you handle the program? Right. Coming out of undergrad, do you know what you're getting into? Can you handle a doctorate program? This is not undergrad anymore. Just right. like how undergrad isn't high school anymore. And I just remember my ability to juggle part-time work and full-time school and start an entire club at SFU and yeah. take a group of people across the country and organize fundraising for all of that. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think that that prepared me pretty well for the workload that I had to endure. Very interesting. Uh, did you do any co-op terms at SFU? Yeah, I did three, I think. Gotcha. Can you speak um, to those at all? Yeah, my first one was actually with Sportability. They okay. do um, they organize sports for people with disabilities in BC okay. and also outreach to the national and international level, actually. So I was very heavily involved with Organizing tournaments, registrations, team rosters. Uh, I did a little bit of a gig coaching a soccer summer camp for a little nice. bit, which was really fun. Yeah, uh, I stuck that out for about four months of a co-op and then stayed with them just to give them some part-time help. And right. then in my fourth year at SFU, I had started Kin Games and yeah. then we went one more year and I didn't quite feel like Kin Games was ready to move on to another person. Yeah. It hadn't quite gotten off the ground yet. So nope. I really, really, really wanted to stick it out and just give me one more year to yeah. go into McGill though. Yeah. Exciting and fun. Yeah. Um so I decided to do a co-op and I worked full time at Kintech and yep. I essentially took a year off of school, did full time work and I'm happy I did because I learned a lot there. Right. Uh, so you worked full time at, at Kintech for a year? Yeah, for a year and then gotcha. finished my degree and then actually stayed on with them full time for two years before okay. going back to chiropractic. Gotcha. And, and just you know, for our audience, what did, what did you do there? Um, we were called fit experts. Okay. So Kintech does a lot to do with foot pain, leg pain. Okay. We focus primarily on doing a gait analysis. So you look at how somebody walks and generally try to relate that to their foot pain. Oftentimes then tr creating treatment plans that would include footwear, orthotics, uh, sometimes some other bracing products and sports med products that we carried, or feeding people into the pedorthic side where they actually went into custom orthotics. Gotcha. So lots of experience talking to patients, creating treatment plans, um, 
Yeah, it was pretty cool. So going back into, you know, looking to the program and looking at the requirements, what are the core requirements to get into any chiropractic school? Um, or in other words, what are chiropractic schools looking for from the students aside from time management? Um, definitely anatomy, physiology. Gotcha. Are, are there any like specific like course requirements to do that? To show that SFU provided all of it, so I didn't okay. really need to look into it. My kinesiology degree covered quite a bit, but talking to some people who did not have a science background or at least a background in the health and fitness or the like human sciences, biology fields, they definitely had to take anatomy, physiology courses, um, which from what I've heard were not substantial enough. So I think okay. you definitely need an undergraduate level understanding of anatomy and physiology and just the exposure okay. because the hard part is trying to learn all the words really anatomy is like a second language you're essentially learning latin right and so having had second and third exposures to the anatomy for me it was a lot more natural yeah. to pick it up and relate it to the clinical aspect as opposed to learning it for the first or maybe the second time around but not even knowing what the words were, right. not even memorizing the words, let alone what the words pertain to as far as anatomy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and do you remember if UWS had any specific requirements for their school? Not the, off the top of my head. Okay. No. Gotcha. Did, did you remember if there was like a minimum GPA? I think the minimum GPA was a 3.0. Okay. Um, I do know as well, same with it in medical school, how you don't need to finish your undergrad degree. Um, you right. can just jump right into UWS after, I believe, two years of an undergrad if you know okay. that that's what you want to do. Right. UWS covers the requirements for a Bachelor's of Science in Human Biology okay. in the first year, which is insane to think okay. that I took six oh, years wow. to do an undergrad and then <laughs> yeah. I got another one in just over yeah. a year. So, gotcha. but, but I would say that, you know, the value of an undergrad, at least from my background, was not necessarily the courses, but it really was the experiences that you got oh, you know, to go through university. Um, you know, and, and doing clubs or, or even finding clubs in your case. Yeah. Um, so how long is the Doctor of Chiropractic program at UWS? So it's a four-year degree, okay. but UWS condenses it to three, so you don't take any summers off, which is nice because okay. you get it over a little bit quicker, yeah. a little bit cheaper. But, man, not having summers off, it's <laughs> it's rough. Right. Do, do you have any, like, breaks, like a winter break, summer break? You get two-week breaks every 11 weeks. So we okay. go by quarters, yeah. four quarters in the year. Um, two weeks definitely never seems like enough. But yeah. I would rather get through the program. You learn so much that to space it out almost would be harder, in my opinion. Okay. Right. Um, so how hard is chiropractic school, like, in comparison to your undergrad? <laughs> That's funny. I'm actually doing, like, my GPA is way better. Yeah. I've pretty much been getting straight A's in chiropractic school, Amazing. whereas SFU, I was struggling to get a 3.0. I think everyone struggles at SFU just a little. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> guess you could just, say just that. Just based on like the grading scale, it might be a little bit more difficult than other universities, but. Um, yeah, it's no. hard to say what's, if it's harder. Like my first quarter, yeah. we had eight classes and I remember complaining about having eight <laughs> final exams, right? Like think about that. That's if you insane. take five classes at SFU, that's insane. And I took yeah. eight. <laughs> In my first quarter, I had eight final exams in the four days of finals week. Yeah. And I just remember sitting in the library complaining. Hmm. And an upper quarter looked at me and goes, I have 13. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> eight's fine. I'll take that. And then yeah. you do your eight finals and you get through it and it's fine. And then the next quarter, it's another final on top of that. Right. And then eventually you hit the quarter where you take 13 finals. 
and you just realize that you're actually pretty capable of doing that. So I don't, it on paper, it should be harder, mm-hmm. but I don't know if maybe because when I graduate, I actually have a career that I think I focus on school a lot more now and I can see the relevance. Right. Whereas when you're sitting in bio 101 at SFU and you're learning about yeah. plants yeah. <laughs> and you want to treat people, <laughs> right. you just don't have the motivation to learn it. Right. So I think I'm just more motivated, which makes grad school easier. Very interesting. So you wouldn't say the material is necessarily more difficult. Or Absolutely there's just a not. Lot more material. Yes. On paper, it's okay. harder. But I think okay. if you're driven enough and that's what you want to do, it is easy enough to push yourself, gotcha. I think. I mean, plus the fact you probably just developed some sort of studying skills or habits in your undergrad that you knew worked for you that you could probably apply and continue developing in grad, at grad school. Definitely. Right. So... Why did you opt to do the Masters of Science in Sport Medicine concurrently? It sounds extra challenging while you already have. Like, were the eight finals just for the DC program? or? Yeah, so we don't actually start the Masters program okay. until quarter six. So I'm okay. actually only a couple of quarters into the Masters program, gotcha. whereas I'm seven quarters into the DC program. Okay. Um, and the Masters program really only added two classes a quarter which I guess when you're already taking 13, what's two more on top of that? You know, you, you make it sound so nonchalant, but you, as someone who's only done their undergrad, and I'm sure for a lot of the people just studying about their undergrad who are complaining about the four or five exams they might have at the, at, you know, at the end of the semester that are spread out over two, three weeks, you're like, wow, chiropractic school. I don't know if 13 exams is really in my... Uh, I guess when I say that, though, you have to remember that maybe at least four to maybe six of those exams are practical. Okay. So they're not all sit down, written, regurgitate, lots of knowledge. So I guess 13 exams makes it sound worse than it really is now that I'm kind of reflecting on it. Good. We might make that like that snippet, like be at the 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 starting (laughs) part just to not scare away people from uh, (laughs) any doctor chiropractic (laughs) program out there. And the master's program, there was a lot of talk about whether or not people wanted to do it. And there was great debate around the time that we had to make our decision, especially as a Canadian. The visa is a little bit restrictive, so you have to take it starting in your sixth quarter because it can't go longer than the DC program. And it was always just a passion of mine. You know, I love sports medicine. I studied kinesiology. It just seemed like a natural next step. Makes sense. I would love to train athletes maybe not exclusively but i want to help athletes because they that's the population i think i relate to the most right and it really just came down to i would rather regret taking the masters than regret not really like it just seemed like the natural thing that i wanted to do and it was something i was passionate about and so right why not and i'm sure like going back to those exams i'm sure there's some overlapping content um in a sense and, in a sense, in a sense. Yeah. and you know potentially the more you know that you learn from this master of science you know there might be more overlapping content but also you know when you're practicing the field you're just that much more knowledgeable when you are dealing with patients coming through the door right exactly you know, especially if they are athletes <laughs> and teaching was something that is in the back of my mind i mean chiropractic okay. is a physical job so knock on wood if anything were to happen yeah. i still want to fall back but i want to stay in the industry i want right. to keep making that impact for sure um so I guess we just talked about the perks. Uh, that was our next question. But at a high level, what are you learning from um, this Master's of Science program? 
Um, I'm still pretty new into okay. it, but we've touched on working with special populations, which is not something that the DC program at least has covered so far. Right. So working with people with disabilities, particularly athletes, a um, little bit more of a deep dive into exercise physiology as opposed to just regular physiology. So that's something that I've also touched on in my SFU degree. So it was nice to piggyback onto that. And one of the main reasons a lot of people take the master's program is we get a practicum where you are placed with local teams in high schools and you just get more hands-on experience, right. more experience yeah. uh, treating, um, diagnosing, doing your physical exam. So I also wanted more practice. And I miss that atmosphere. I miss tournaments. I miss sports fields. I bet. I just miss that culture. Yeah. So um, just to clarify, you like you, you would you consider, or not to clarify, but uh, would you consider working in the States afterwards or would you come back to Canada? You know, that's something that people keep asking me and okay. I'm, right now the plan is to come back to Canada. Okay. But I think I will be taking all of my American board exams. Okay. Um, I took part one in January and it's something that I'm still considering if I want to take the remainder of them. Okay. Just because I want to keep all my options open Fair enough. at this point. Right. And honestly, like, as you know, things change. Life exactly. changes, right? And who knows what's going to happen with, you know, both the pandemic, personal side, professional side. Things can yeah. change uh, and, and can totally, you know, alter where you might want to make your final decision at the end of the day. So I think keeping your doors open is a very smart decision. Mm -hmm. I would hate to have to take boards in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we really want to help our audience get an idea of what they need to consider when they're aiming to study to become a chiropractor abroad. So how did you navigate, you know, evaluating transcripts from a Canadian school and, and stuff like financial aid? Honestly, UWS was great. Okay. Natasha French is the advisor for international students and I feel like it wasn't even difficult. I barely did anything. Really? Honestly, it feels like I just filled out some paperwork with my personal information. Yeah. And she sent my visa in the mail. Really? Wow. So I don't know if I can speak too much to that. <laughs> it this school has so many Canadian students that they know right. how to make it such a smooth experience. But you do gotcha. need a visa. You do need to be able to do that early enough yeah. that you're not waiting on your visa when you're supposed to be down in Portland for classes. Right. How, how long should you apply for your visa before you start? I'm trying to think. I The programs, I started in October, and I think I received my visa in August. It probably took about a month or so, okay. so it still wasn't all that bad, but it's just not something you want to be leaving to the last minute, especially because I had moving and such right. to deal with as well. That was probably more stressful than the visa and the paperwork, to and, be honest. And which visa did you get? Uh, it's an F1 visa. The, F1 the visa. student, yeah, student gotcha. visa. So... <laughs> and this is really for our younger audience. Um, what can you just explain that, like, what a visa is and how long does it last? Yeah, definitely. So it's essentially a document issued by whichever country you're visiting. Um, they are for various purposes. So usually, if you just go down into the U.S. for a weekend or something, the U.S. will often issue you a temporary tourist visa. Um, if you travel abroad, you'll need one of those as well for certain countries. So my F-1 visa allows me to stay in the States for a longer period of time okay. because I believe the tourist visa, you can only be there for six months cumulatively in one yeah. year as a Canadian. 
So the F-1 visa allows me to actually reside in the U.S., be there for longer than six months without having to worry about taxes or anything like gotcha. that or questions at the border as to why yeah. I'm spending most of my time there and only spending two yeah. weeks in Canada. Um, so it's, I guess it's a formality of being allowed to live in that country and study there without having to become a resident and a citizen of the right. United States. Right. And can you work down there as a Canadian student or is there a limit? Um, you cannot work off of campus. Okay. So there are some on-campus jobs and you're limited to 20 hours a week, I believe. Okay. Um, so I work as a on-campus tutor. Okay. But you can't go and get a restaurant job right. or anything like that, right. unfortunately. Uh, and, and do you get taxed? Like with Canada or, or like with U.S. tax? I had to do U.S. taxes, <laughs> okay. um, but I didn't pay anything. Okay. So they, you're working so infrequently that right. I don't even know if they took taxes off, to be completely honest. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and it was uh, with UWS, was there any specific financial aid like catered for Canadians? Uh, yes. I guess okay. I was I was going to say no, but there okay. is. Okay. So UWS, as long as you maintain a 2.5 GPA, they will give Canadians a 10% discount off the tuition plus an extra $1,000. So right now it doesn't quite offset the <laughs> dollar with what it is, right. but it's still better than nothing. For sure. um, that's only for the DC program, though. That's not for the master's tuition. Okay. Um, no idea why. That's okay. just the way that it is. Gotcha. And... Overall, like, how much is or how much is the cost of the DC program? Uh, it's just over ten thousand dollars US per quarter. Okay, and you have twelve quarters. Yeah, so you're okay. looking at about just over forty thousand US a year for okay. three years. Okay, basically. Um, and then that's on top of like, does that include living expenses and rent? No, that's just the tuition. Fantastic. And that doesn't even include your student fees any materials that you need, that kind of thing. Great. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> Definitely something to consider. Right. Uh, and then when you're studying down there, you said there's a lot of Canadians. And I think on UWS, they claimed down in 2018 um, that they had like 25% of their student population from Canada. Is that still like correct? Or I almost would say 30 to 40% oh, yeah? would be Canadian. I think 40% of my class must be Canadian. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, so you said you were going into your, you know, getting more practical and hands on. So what is a preceptorship? So preceptor you do in your 12th quarter. Okay. It's essentially like an internship. So you, you're you done courses at that point. You're not taking any classes in 12th quarter. You're working in an out clinic, so not on campus, under a different supervisor than your clinical supervisor from the school. Yeah. And you basically just work full time for them. Um and you're a little bit more at the mercy of your supervisor at that point. So right. some of them might give you more freedom than others, but it gives you the freedom to be able to do that preceptor anywhere for the most part, as long right. as it's school approved. Right. Because I know the UWS states that you can do these in Canada. So for you, are you thinking more, should I do one in Canada or should I do one in the States? And what are the pros and cons of that? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the U.S. has a wider scope of practice for right. chiropractors, especially in Oregon. Um, most chiropractors though, they still just cater their scope to be what we know chiropractic to be and yeah. just stick with the musculoskeletal conditions and that kind of thing. Um, it certainly would be eye opening to work in the U S system because their insurance and billing is quite a bit different than ours. Okay. 
But also coming back into Canada, it would be nice to work in a clinic here for that last quarter. Sometimes preceptor supervisors will keep you on, or it would be nice to network with that preceptor and see if they know other clinics in the area that are hiring or are looking for another doctor. Yeah, I think it was, it's become very apparent, um, you know, having a lot of these guests on on the podcast that networking is is very big um, to get any type of practitioner job here, at least in Vancouver. Um, It seems like everyone sort of knows someone working in the field, like a chiropractor will know other chiropractors and Mm -hmm. physios and RMTs. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's definitely those those niche uh, networks all around. Um, So what exams do you need to, to take in order to practice in Canada? So there's three Canadian board exams, three different parts. Uh, The first part is primarily focused on your basic sciences. So that's relatively equivalent to part one American boards, where it covers pretty much everything from your first five quarters. Um, So that one's pretty pretty in-depth. Part B and C get a little bit more clinical. And the way that the Canadian board exams are laid out is it's based on the day that you graduate, you have to take those board exams no earlier than one year prior to your graduation. Okay. So you take them while you're in school. Um, and then you also would need to take a juris, uh, jurisprudence exam. So that's based on the laws and scope of practice, I believe, for your province, if not for okay. all of Canada. And that's definitely something studying in the States, you're kind of responsible for on your own. Gotcha. Okay. So you basically three exams to Mm -hmm. practice in Canada once you're done. And once you're done, like your last quarter, would you have to do like a final exam? Not to graduate. No. So, I mean, that's what board exams are. So the reality of it is you could graduate from the school, but fail all your boards and you could never practice. So realistically, it's the board exams that count. And once you pass boards and you get your certification, then you're done. But there's no final exam for the program per gotcha. se. Gotcha. Let's say you decided to study in the States. Mm-hmm. You have to do those board exams as well, correct? Yeah. Right. And how many of those are there for the States? There's four parts for the Americans. And okay. then each state, you also have to write the individual jurisprudence because each state has a different scope of practice. Noted. So I guess technically five on the American side. And I think it actually would be four on the Canadian when you include the jurisprudence as well. Gosh, I was just about to clarify that. I think mm-hmm. that's the part I was getting a little confused on. Yeah. Um, so what else might a student need to consider if they wanted to study at UWS in Portland um, that you can speak to? So anything like insurance or loans or transit, phone plans? Yeah, Portland is nice. Um, I like it there. People after my first couple quarters asked how Portland was. And to be completely honest, school was so busy, I didn't have an answer. I bet. <laughs> uh, I also lived in walking distance to campus. Okay. So I, besides going to the grocery store, there was very little times that I left the house other than to go to school. Right. Just because those first couple of quarters, you're trying to get your feet underneath you and yeah. get organized. So it's it's a lot of work and you have to be prepared for that. But I've met great friends and eventually we managed our time better and you get weekends back and evenings and right. that kind of thing. Travel insurance. I just purchased travel insurance through BCAA. Obviously that's yep. a little bit different now <laughs> with a pandemic. Yep. So a lot of us unfortunately are just kind of risking going down there without coverage if we were to get COVID. Yeah. But 
I can't afford to not continue my education at this point. For sure. What's the process like to get a student loan? Like, are you are you getting the loan um, from a bank in the states or a bank in Canada? Definitely not through the states. Okay. Um, I've been told multiple times that if you get the loans through the U.S., one they have crazy high in- uh, interest rates. Right. And I mean, if you were to ever file for bankruptcy, if that were to ever happen your student debt stays with you. Whereas from oh. my understanding in Canada, it is excused a little bit more and the the interest rates are significantly lower right. in Canada. Uh, and I did apply through the government for student loans. Okay. Wasn't nearly enough, but right. I mean, hey, every little bit helps. Right. And I'm not making any payments on my government loans. So right. I think I got through BC and the federal funding 21000 for the year. Yeah. That basically covered one quarter when you convert <laughs> yeah, all your money into U.S. dollars. And then I got a line of credit through CIBC. And okay. they were actually pretty easy to deal with. Yep. They got the highest limit that I could get. I asked okay. three different banks in Canada, right. um, and CIBC was the highest. Okay. And my interest rate is pretty reasonable. It's just Canada Prime right now, actually. I was about to ask, like, going across all the different banks, isn't the, the is the rate the same pretty much? Like, isn't it prime rate across the board for? Uh... I don't remember what bank it was, but it was prime plus one percent. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember which one it was. Um, the only other thing is that because I'm studying internationally, I had to get a cosigner only okay. because I was studying internationally. Right. So you're more of a flight risk at yeah, that point. Yeah, I bet. Um, so that's another thing that has to be considered. Right. Um, and you know, for once again, for our younger audience listening. The prime rate in Canada is it's around two point five percent. Yeah, it dropped interest. recently. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which helps me a lot. For I sure. think at one point it was closer to four when I first started. Wow, it was three point nine five. Yeah, holy cow. So, and you have to make your interest payments every month on the line of credit. So, right. that's still an expense that I'm paying out right now. Well, good to know. And you know, after doing my due diligence, uh, I saw that you went to the Engage conference in Washington D.C. So, what what was the Engage conference about? Oh, yeah. I've done that twice now, actually. Okay. So Engage is put on by the American Chiropractic Association, or the ACA, and the Student American Chiropractic Association, or SACA, is also very heavily involved. So it's a conference where they have various different speakers and breakout sessions, um, just like what most a lot of other conferences are. Um, It's definitely very educational, various docs, either chiropractors, and sometimes we had other professions come out and speak about different topics of treatment or diagnosis or anything that would pertain to operating a practice or patient care. Um, And then there was the expo where you could talk to a whole bunch of different sponsors and they would obviously do their pitch and give you free stuff. But even just things that I hadn't even thought about from like charting systems and electronic systems, a lot of soft tissue tools and stuff like that that you could kind of dip your feet in and learn a little bit more about. Um, And then the big thing with Engage is that we did some lobbying on the Capitol, which was really, really cool. So we picked one or two bills that we wanted to learn a lot about. And basically you were scheduled meetings with House representatives or their staff mostly. Right. And we dress to the nines, probably the only yeah. time in my life that I've actually looked so professional. <laughs> yeah. And you go to the Capitol and you talk to these people about the bills that we want passed. So, for example, we've done Medicare the two years that I went. Yeah. And Medicare, for 
all the Canadians yeah. is the U.S. federal medical coverage for people over 65, so seniors. Yeah. And there's certain aspects of Medicare that the coverage for chiropractic, it's not all-inclusive of the services that we can treat. And so we basically have been lobbying to try to get members of Congress and people of the Senate to help us make improvements to that bill so that we can help our patients. It's right. it's very patient-focused. Obviously, as a chiropractor, you do want better coverage because that expands your business. But also at the same time, it fills gaps where certain government funding programs are not doing the right thing for the patients. They're yeah. not giving the proper medical coverage to patients that need it. So that was a really cool experience and something that I hope to bring back to Canada, just that experience and yeah. potentially lobby for my future patients here if I need to. Super fascinating. Mm -hmm. You got to do that as a student. Um, so, so how did you get selected to go? It was just volunteer basis. Okay. If you wanted to Great. go, we did some fundraising, but yeah. you did have to pay some of your way. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then at UWS, you know, besides this conference, uh, what, what other related opportunities or events, um, are provided to just like enrich your uh, your time there? There's a lot of clubs, uh, primarily focused around treatment and adjusting. Yeah. So I've been involved with multiple clubs. They usually run at lunchtime. Okay. And it's just another way to get hands-on practice. It also allows you to integrate with upper quarters who can kind of help hone your skills a right. little bit more. Um, that's kind of the main thing is the student clubs and practice. Other than that, um, some of the clubs are sport-oriented, um, but I personally never really got much involved with them. Gotcha. When you were um, applying to different chiropractic programs um, and, and your selection of UWS, I know there's, or I've heard of, of different schools of thought um, when going into chiropractic care. So can you kind of walk us through, you know, what that school of thought is taught at, at UWS and I don't know, your, your, your take on it? Yeah, it's, uh, that honestly could be a podcast in itself, Yeah, to be honest, but Chiropractic is hopefully changing for the better moving forward. UWS takes a patient-centered, whole-body, evidence-based approach. So just to kind of break that down and what that means is a lot of people think of chiropractors as only being spine doctors and only doing adjustments. Right. We can do so much more than that. We learn so much more than that. I've learned all the pathology and physiology systems and it takes all of that to be able to call yourself a doctor at the end of the program yep. and I truly want to know that what I'm learning and what I'm practicing has evidence behind it I don't want to just follow a philosophy regardless of how old it is if there's yeah. nothing to kind of back that up right and so I mean that means that maybe my practice will constantly be changing yeah. And I hope so. I hope to keep up to date with the literature. And there are some chiropractic schools that maybe don't focus on that as much. And they focus a little bit more on the roots of chiropractic and where it came from in that spine in line model. Yeah. And UWS, they teach that. They teach the history of that and right. why we believe that. And it's to be honest, you have to learn it because that's why chiropractic exists today. Makes is that sense. Yeah. It worked at one point and that's what they thought. It's just that now the evidence is showing that 
it's still helpful. There's still lots that we can do as a chiropractor to treat yeah. pain and injury and occasionally illness, but maybe not in the way that the founders thought. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it was, it was shocked to me going, you know, to, to some of the chiropractors early on when, when I've been injured um, and then primarily focusing on the back and only doing adjustments and, you know, other chiropractors that I've been to um, as I've been bobsledding for a little bit now um, where, you know, you might just get banged up a little bit more than, than just the back. So you might, uh, sorry, it was, it was to my surprise that, uh, you know, some of the chiros out there, you know, they're going to help your back. But then you're also going to work on your glutes, your, your quads, and then your feet, and then your calves. And you're like, oh, interesting how they're all connected. Um, and, and that kind of blew my mind that that Kyrie's like even knew how to do that because I've only ever been used to or, or and, and been in the, the, the thought process that all right, chiropractors, that just means they work on your back. Mm-hmm. If you have any other injury, you should go somewhere else. Yeah. And I would say that that's a misconception that lots of chiropractors now are trying to change, especially right. like you said, even if you have back pain, we are trained to figure out why you have back pain. And a lot of times it's from somewhere else in the kinetic chain. So a different spot in the body could be causing compensation or something. And you just happen to feel it in your back. Like that's just where your brain received pain pain signals from. Right. But lots of other things can contribute to back pain or lots of biomechanical things can contribute to back pain, which is definitely something that I also picked up through Kintech, my time there. And it is something that, isn't necessarily taught in a lot of detail in school because there's not always patterns. You just have to get really good at palpating, really good at feeling the entire body, the joints, how they move, the muscles, what their resting tone is, patient responses, listening to their their history when you're taking it and figuring out what movements cause pain. What have you been doing in your life that aggravated this, that caused this? And that's not necessarily something that can be taught, but you can be yeah. given the tools to know how to look for that. And that's something that I definitely strive to do. All right. So taking all of that into consideration, <laughs> I want to get your perspective on this question. For you, what does it mean to be a chiropractor? Love that question. It's honestly treat the whole body. A lot of people come to their chiropractors for pain. And so you start with that. I definitely want to cater my future practice to not only fixing pain, but fixing the reason behind pain. Right. A lot of times it's to do with movement patterns and figuring out how to fix movement patterns, whether it's strengthening muscles or stretching muscles. We now live in a society where we sit more than we stand. We're on phones, tablets, computers all the time. That's not natural, and that creates crazy movement patterns that your body just cannot adapt to without feeling a strain somewhere. Yeah. And so for me personally, as a chiropractor, I want to do more than just the adjustment, more than just get you out of pain. I want that longevity of health realistically. Great, great answer. Um, And now it's giving forward. Uh, anything you wish you would have wanted to know or that you would have done differently before applying to study at UWS just to make your application even better? I probably would have shadowed more chiropractors just because it is something that they encourage you to do while you're in school and school's a lot. It's really busy. And those two week breaks are short. 
and sometimes you don't want to shadow chiropractors on your two weeks off. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But as we kind of discussed, there's a lot of different ways that you can practice. There's a lot of different clinic setups, patient bases, philosophies in chiropractic. And I think it's important that when you decide to go to chiropractic school, you at least need to have an idea of how you want your practice to look. For sure. Because there will be lots of people along the way that are going to try to shape your mind and shape how you are going to run your practice. And either you're going to follow them and decide that, okay, that's how I'm going to be. Or you can have your own set of values and ideologies and expand on them, shadow other docs, see how you do or don't want to practice, and pick up tidbits here and there, though. Because even a chiropractor you don't want to practice, like, they might run a clinic in the exact model that you want. Right. Or they might have a lot of business knowledge, which is something that we don't get a lot of in school. Right. So I probably would have shadowed more chiropractors to get a better idea of what's truly out there. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of expanding on that, I know a lot of chiropractors, you know, are the type that, you know, they can do their sessions in 10 to 15 minutes. And that's how you book them online. And there are other chiropractors that offer 30, 40 minute sessions, even an hour session as a chiropractic, um, sorry, as a chiropractor. Um, where do you think you'd fit in and what type of clinic do you think you'd operate best in um, with, with your educational background? I definitely want to work in a clinic that's integrative. So would have multiple professions right. working under one roof. You know, I think that patients require a variety of treatment. And as a chiropractor, obviously, I specialize in adjustments. And yeah. we learn various amounts of soft tissue work that can be done. I see myself doing a lot of soft tissue work. I see myself yeah. prescribing a lot of rehab and exercises. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to remember that you're still running a business and usually you as a human are your business. Right. And so while I would love to spend one hour with every single patient, yeah. that may or may not pay bills, make yeah. the money that I need. For I sure. think half an hour is a pretty comfortable okay. place. Yeah. Um, I see myself starting maybe even with 45 minutes just as I graduate and right. get my feet out from under me and figure out how practice is going to look in the future. But I don't, love the idea of only spending five, 10 minutes with a patient, 15 maybe, if I was efficient enough. Yeah. But there's a lot you need to accomplish in 15 minutes for round patient, yeah. like full patient care. Right. And in those 15 minutes, would you also be doing exercises? Or ideally, if you were doing 15 minutes, you'd be working with like almost uh, maybe even a kin uh, to help you some exercises. Yeah. And I think that's where my kinesiology background comes in, is that <laughs> right. I understand the value of that degree. and. Right people that graduate with that degree have so much knowledge and I don't think it's utilized very well. So I think it would be really cool to be in a clinic that has that kinesiologist that will run through the rehab that even can progress right. them through rehab yeah. because I trust that a kinesiologist would have that knowledge and then I can focus on just the hands-on manual patient care. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, any last tips for students who are on the fence about studying abroad or studying at a chiropractic school? Studying abroad is awesome. Even in the U.S., there was culture shock a little really? bit. Um, even though we're we're very similar, we're also very different. I wouldn't be afraid to study abroad. Even like I have friends that went to Europe and Australia to study, and it seems like they had the time of their lives there. Yep. Chiropractic, I think, is a great option 
if you like the idea of having more education. Um, even just looking into some of the physiotherapy curriculums, I don't think they completely cover the topics that we did in depth in my first year of chiropractic. And I loved having that all round education. We went deep into metabolism right. and microbiology and physiology, even beyond the level that I thought there was to go. Yeah. And I loved the idea of just having that further education, um, especially in the U.S., though. I find that because chiropractors are seen more as primary care physicians, they're almost more equivalent to a medical doctor in the U.S. Okay. So I was educated closer to that almost. We learned a lot more physical exam skills and treatment skills, medicines, that kind of thing. So I think anyone considering chiropractic, it's more education, I believe, than physiotherapy. It's longer. It's yep. a longer degree. It is. Um, so that's something to factor in. But I think if you know how you want to practice, it's an excellent profession. You have lots of freedom, especially if you want to be your own boss someday and run your own practice. Great. All good to know. Thank you so much for coming on today's show. Um, yeah, let's wrap. Thanks for having me. Thank you.